guys, we're on week two of My Best Life, and, and if you're taking notes, I hope that you are, and, and we always encourage that so we can go back and learn on our own as well, and not just on Sundays, but I want you to title it this. It'll all make sense in just a few moments, but I want you to title it this, Embrace the Dash. Embrace the Dash. You can go ahead and turn enter on your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. Hopefully you have your Bibles with you, and, and you can turn there. If not, it'll come up on the screen in just a few moments, but there's a few things that are constant in life, right? I, I was talking to my brother not too long ago. He is, a, he is not the most optimistic Carolina fan. Anybody in the room with me? Uh, after yesterday, neither, none of us are. Um, but, and so I was talking to him a few weeks ago. I said, hey, man, you still got to cheer for him. You got to give hope. You got to have hope that it's all going to be all right. And he said, I don't have to do anything. Right? He said, I got to pay taxes, I got to work, and, I, and I'll die one day. That's the only three things I have to do in life, right? And so he had that mentality and stuff. And, 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 and I want to, it was kind of funny the way he said it, but here's the truth of the matter. There, there's going to come a day to where all of us, our, our lives here on earth are going to come to an end. And, and, and it'll be a day to where it's just, you know, we don't see it coming. We don't know when it is. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know it's going to happen. And the reason we know it's going to happen is because you can go to any graveyard anywhere and see headstones and tombstones all over the place. I know you guys are like, dang, this just took a turn. Just give me a minute, right? And so on each headstone, each tombstone, you'll see a name. And then you'll see maybe a little quote, a little phrase of uh, always late or best mom or greatest dad and stuff like that. I've seen some crazy stuff on there, right? Some little quotes on there. And, and it's really, you can kind of get a sense of their personality and through that. But on every headstone, on every tombstone, you'll see uh, these things. You'll see the, uh, the date that they were born and then you'll see the date that they passed away and they left this earth. So you'll, you'll see the date they came on this earth and you'll see the date they left this earth. And then in between those two dates, you'll see one thing and it's a dash. And, and that dash represents something that is way more than a dash, but it represents our life. It represents the time that they spent with their kids and their grandkids, right? It represents the, the, the sacrifices they made, the jobs they had. That dash represents the church that they served. It represents how well they lived their life during those times. Whether it was 10 years or whether it was 100 years, that dash represents what they did in that life. It represents the job that they had, the money they had, the sacrifices they made, the things that they did in their life, that dash. And I want to tell you today that if we'll learn to embrace our dash every single day, our best life is not something that you see hashtagged on social media, but it's something that's attainable for each and every one of us today. It doesn't have to be something that like maybe one day, possibly, it can, it could, it may. No, 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 no. I'm here to tell you your best life is sitting before you today. And the greatest thing we can do is we can embrace our dash. Many of us are worried more about what's going to happen later down the road. Like some of you are sitting in the room today, right? And you're already having a hard time concentrating on, on worship or on anything that's taking place because our mind is already on the appointments we have tomorrow and the, the stresses of the job tomorrow and what are our kids going to wear and what lunches are we going to pack and all these things, right? And all that stuff is real and it's there. But I want to read something to you out of James chapter 4. James chapter 4, you don't have to go there, you can write it down, go back there this week. But James chapter 4, it's going to come on the screen, verse 14 says it like this, it says, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Can I just go ahead and tell you this? You have no idea what tomorrow's holds. tomorrow holds. You have no clue. In fact, leave that up. In fact, Jesus says it like this at one point. He goes, he goes listen, you're worried, what, what, what will worrying add one hour to your life? 
Will it add one hour to your life? You don't even know what tomorrow holds. You have no idea, but you're worrying about it. And James says the same thing. You don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. You don't. You have no idea what mood you're going to wake up in. You have no idea if your Keurig's just going to stop working. I, yeah, some of you are like, that. that happens, you will know it because you'll hear it from my house. Right? And, and you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know who's going to cut you off on the interstate on the way to work. You just have no idea. And he says this, but because you don't know what tomorrow holds, here's what he says. You are just a vapor. If you'll grasp this, it'll change everything. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while. It appears for a dash. It appears for a short line of time compared to eternity. It, it, you're just a vapor that appears for a dash for a little while, and then it vanishes, and then it goes away. So you're here, and you appear on the day of your birth, and then a dash happens, and that's your life, and then, and then you disappear. And James gives us this great perspective that looks at us and goes, stop freaking out over what you can't control. Some of you need to hear this. You can't control the reactions of everybody else. You control your reactions. You can't even control who cuts you off on the interstate, so stop flipping them off. I'm trying to loosen you up today. Stop getting mad about it. You don't even know them. They can't hear you. Here's what, I, if you're like me, just do this. I'm going to give you a great way to handle this whole situation. It fixes it every time, all right? They cut you off. Here's what you do. Get in the next lane, and when you're going by them, just go. Just stare at them. It scares it out of them. They're like, I'll never do that again. Just believe that. Hallelujah. He says, stop worrying about all those things because you can't do anything about it. You don't even know what it'll hold. But if you'll embrace the fact that you're a vapor that comes one day and leaves the next and you don't know what it holds, if you'll embrace the dash, it'll change everything. It'll change your life. It'll change your perspective. It'll change, I promise you this, it'll change the way that you go to work tomorrow. It'll change the way that you treat your kids this afternoon. It'll change the way that you treat your spouse because I, it's like, hey, I'm so aggravated with you. I don't know why I'm aggravated with you. But then we start going, I'm just a vapor. What if, what if my vapor time is up tonight and that's the last thing they hear from me? Y'all are like, this turned morbid. No, this turned kingdom. This is what we do. We change the way we act today. You want your best life? How many of you guys would say, I want my best life in the room today? I want my best. Embrace your dash. Look at your neighbor and say, embrace your dash. Oh, that was weak. Tell your other neighbor, because y'all must like them better. Tell your other neighbor, embrace your dash. Embrace your dash. I want to tell you this. To, to live my best life, I want you to get this. It's going to be on the screen. To live my best life, I have to make my life the best. Let me, let, me, let me break it down for you because some of you are like, that's just an inverted sentence. No, that's truth. Some of us are sitting in life and we're going, we're sitting there and we're sitting in this moment of life and we're going, God, if you could just make my life great. Hey, my, and, and then some of us, our life, the goodness of our life is dependent on how other people are treating us. It's dependent on, I'll, I'll ask people this sometimes. Y'all leave that up. I'll ask people this sometimes like in the mornings, right? I'll be like, hey, how's your day going? They're going, Hey, ask me at about 1 or 2 o'clock, and I'll let you know. Here's what they're saying. It depends on how everybody else treats me as to how I treat my day. Stop! 
Stop letting your day own you because there's nothing anybody can say to you that takes the promise, the purpose, the anointing, the calling, the security of Jesus and the goodness of God from you. It doesn't have to own you. You own the day. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. I don't need to know. I know what he did for you. Come on. I have to make my life the best. I've got to turn, as I tell my kids, that frown upside down. Some people, your smile's awkward because your face is so used to going the other way. (laughs) Smile. Enjoy life. I'm going to make my life. Yeah, I got my struggles. Yeah, I got my problems. Yeah, I got my enemy. Who cares? I'm living what? My best life. Today, I'm embracing my dash. I'm doing what I've got to do to go forward. And we're going to look at what what happens in Nehemiah chapter 6. Because there's some things that take place in the story of Nehemiah that we can learn from today. In in, in Nehemiah, let me me catch you up. In Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah, Nehemiah had it made, guys. He had everything he could ever ask for right there. And so Nehemiah got this call on his life to go and rebuild Jerusalem. And that's where his ancestors were from. And so he had investment in the place and he had a heart there. And God just kept, kept just digging on him like, hey, go rebuild this, go rebuild this, go rebuild this. So he goes to the king. He's like, hey, king, I got to leave my position because I got a call greater than you on my life. And, and it's nothing against you, but I got to go there. And the king's like, hey, I'll give you favor. And so the king gave him money and resources to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, right? And so he goes and he, and he shares the vision. It says he, he surveyed the land. Go read the whole book. It's amazing. He surveys the land. He goes and he tells the people, hey, this is where we are. We're burned and ruined and it's not good. But here's where we're going. We're going to rebuild it and it's going to be the spectacle of all spectacles. And it's going to be beautiful and it's going to shine with God's glory everywhere that we go. I just need you to help me do it. And if you look at me and go, that's not for me, then that's fine. Then it's for me and I'll do it, but I need your help. And so they all get together. It says that they all got together and they they got up with a a, a weapon and a a tool in one hand. Can I tell you, you don't have to stop working on God's progress just to hurt somebody. Like, just chill out. Keep working on what God's called you to work on. And so they start rebuilding and they rebuild it in record time. It's amazing. What happens, and, and we find in, in chapter 6 some, some crazy things that take place, and, and I, there's three things I want to tell you about it, but I want to read verses 1 through 5 first of Nehemiah chapter 6. It says this, it says, Now when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and that no breach remained in it, although at that time I had not set up the doors and the gates. Then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Shepherim. I'll call it that. Yep. Shepherim in the plain of Ono. Oh <laughs> the plain of Ono. Oh Some of y'all live in the plain of Ono. Oh <laughs> Some of y'all, like, your whole life is like, oh no. That was good. I just came up with that. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? That's a powerful statement. Some of you just need to highlight that right there. Verse 4, they sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. And then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. 
So Sanballat and, and his guys and his enemies are coming up and they're mad at what Nehemiah is doing. And I want to go back to verse 3 because verse 3 is where we get point 1. Verse 3 says this, So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? So the first point is this, we got to stand our ground. We got to stand our ground. Here's what happens a lot of times, right? So here's what's going on. Baby, calm down. It's okay. I'm all right. I promise. Some of y'all the same way. Calm down. It's all right. I promise. So Nehemiah's in this thing, and he's, he's chasing a vision, right? He's got this vision from God, and he's going, this is what, oh, praise God. He's going, hey, this is what I've got to do in my life. I got to go rebuild a city. I got to rebuild a wall. And so he gets up on the, on, the, on, the, on the pillars and he's standing up there and he's hanging the gates, right? And he's, he's making sure there's no breach in the wall and everything's good and everything's all right. And so Nehemiah is up there and he's building away. And all of a sudden these enemies come up and they're like, hey, I need a meeting with you. I need to talk to you about what's happening in your life. I need to talk to you about the progress you're making. And he's like, I love, I love Nehemiah's response. He said, why should I stop progress to come down and meet with you? In other words, he goes, why should I stop doing what God's called me to do? Because you're gonna, all you're trying to do is discourage me and disappoint me and frustrate me and distract me and hurt me. You're more worried about what I'm doing than what God's doing in me, and I'm not worried about that. And some of us, here's what we need to learn to do. We gotta learn to stop coming down the stinking ladder. We got to learn to take our ground where God's called us to be and stop walking down the ladder. Stop stopping the progress. Stop going, hey, you know what? You're right. You know what? Oh, you want to meet? I want to, I'm going to start repeating this scripture to some people. Hey, pastor, I, I know you're trying to lead a church that's growing and changing a county and there's a lot of stresses on your life, but somebody looked at me sideways on Sunday. I need you to stop doing what you're doing and come down off the wall of the building of the church that God's called you to build and the movement that God's called you to lead. I need you to come out off the wall for that and I need you to quit my bleeding. I need you to quit leading so I'll stop bleeding. I want to look at some people and say this, you ain't fit to lead until you learn to bleed. Come on, somebody. Many of us want to lead a move of God, but every time we start to bleed, we're like, oh, I don't know if I can take this. Well, no, you can't. You're not fit to lead until you learn how to bleed, until you learn how to hurt, and until you learn how to stop bleeding on everybody that has nothing to do with the wound to begin with. Anybody in the room today? I want to look at some people and be like, stop. Stop. I can't stop everybody's bleeding. I can't be the one that puts a Band-Aid on everything. And that's what Nehemiah was saying. He was saying, I can't come down. But here's what so many of us will do. So many of us. My foot got stuck. So many of us will get to a place to where we're like, oh, you're offended at the progress God is making on the call of my life? Here, let me step down just a little bit so you'll feel more comfortable that I haven't risen too far above you. Oh, you're not following God and you're mad that I'm following God and you're putting it all over Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and all these other things. You're subtweeting me and all these things. Here, let me step down just so that we'll be okay in life. Hey, you know what? All this stuff's taking place. Oh, man, you're worried? Like, you're worried about the fact that I'm, I'm so committed to my church because I believe God's doing something amazing. Here, let me, let me just step down. Just look. Oh, man, you know what? You, you still aren't coming. Here, I'll come all the way down. And here's, here's the problem. Most of us get to a place to where we're standing on the ground now, and the Bible says that the enemy is roaming the earth, 
seeking whom he may devour. Do you know who lions and tigers and bears, oh my, you know who they devour? The weakest ones on the ground. And so many of us are like, devil's on my back. No, he's not. You're off your perch. Devil ain't on your back. You just became weak because you're not taking a stand and you're looking at everybody else and going, whatever you think, whatever you say, whatever you want, I'll come down off of where I'm called to be. I know, I know my life, my best life is up here doing exactly what God told me to do and being who God told me to be and reading the Bible and knowing his promises and all that. I know all of that, but I, you just, I lost all my friends. Maybe they weren't pushing you up. Maybe they were pulling you down. We got to get right in this thing. If I want my best life, I got to be willing. Let me, yep. Let me, I got to, I got to be willing to go, hey, I'm up here. If you want to chase God's call on your life with me, let's go. But I'm not coming back down there. Because if I'm not regressing, I'm not going backwards. I'm stepping up. I'm going to a new level. I'm not coming down for you. Because here's the thing. Every time I step down a level, guess what? I can't reach as high. And then we want to go, well, God. God, you were doing so many amazing things in my financial life and in my marriage and in my life and in my mental state and all this stuff. God, you're doing so great. Why aren't you doing it anymore? And God's going, I would. But, but you stepped down so far that now we got to step back up just to get to the place to where I was to begin with. In other words, you stopped the progress by stepping down. Nehemiah said, nah, I ain't got time for that. Bro, if you want to discourage me, if you want to... If you want to depress me, if you want to come down on me, you're going to have to come up to come down on me because I'm not coming down so you can distract me. Our lives here, let me show you something. Our lives should be to a point that we are so committed to what God is doing in our lives that other people climb just to be with us. But we think, <laughs> this is good, we think my best life is coming down so I got more people. And God's going, no, it's not. Your best life is climbing with me. Now, listen, some of you are like, I just, I just don't need to care about friends. No. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you don't need to care about their distractions. You don't need to carry their drama. You don't, you need, here's what we need to do. As a church, we need, as the church, we need to step up and we need to rise above drama and negativity and frustration and hurt and pain and all those things. We need to rise to a point where we look down and we're like, that's the, if you had the perspective I have, do you know what I noticed? I noticed this. I, I was flying into, I, I have this thought every single time. I was flying into Oklahoma City um, about three weeks ago. I was preaching at a university. And as I was Flying in, I, I love to, when I take off and when I land, I love to look out the window and, and see the grid of the, the road. Some of y'all like, I'm just, my eyes are closed and I'm praying for safety, praise God. I'm watching. I'm like, if I'm going down, I'm going to see it happen. <clears throat> and so we, I like looking at the grids, the way the roads are laid out, the way the, the, the lakes are laid out. You know, I just love that stuff. And the Lord spoke this to me one time about a year ago. And every time I have the opportunity to fly somewhere, he reminds me of this. And it's this. The higher I get, the more everything looks put together. Do you realize that? The roadways seem a mess when I'm driving on them. But when I get above them, it's like, oh, there is, there is order to what seems like chaos. 
they're honking the horn and flipping each other off, but it just makes sense. Like, I don't get it. You know what I'm saying? Why? It's not, it's because I rose to a level where my perspective look different and many of us are so caught up in the chaos of somebody else's dash because I haven't risen to a level where the perspective looks a little different and it all makes sense and there's all order to it and if I could just rise to a level come on somebody to a level to where it makes sense then my best life can start today I just gotta rise I gotta get to that place and so he looks at him he goes hey I'm not coming down for your behind. I'm not stopping progress. God's doing something miraculous here, and if I come down, it all stops. Do you know why? Have you ever thought, well, why does that matter? He's got a team of people helping him. Here's why. He was the leader. And everybody a leader leads is lower than the leader. And so if the leader has to come down, then everybody under the leader has to come down too. And so if the leader stops the progress, everybody stops the progress. But you know who vies, who, you know who everybody vies for their attention? The leader. Everybody wants to talk to the leader. Everybody wants to get on to the top guy. Why? Because if I can, here's what the enemy knows. It's not you, because we're not fighting a battle against flesh and blood. It's a battle of principalities of darkness. Bible tells me that. It's not you, it's not me. It's the enemy knows if I can distract the leader, I can scatter the flock. Number one, stand your ground. Number two, verse four takes place. I love it. Verse four says, they sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. I love this. We've got to stop allowing distractions. I love what Nehemiah does. It says, I answered them in the same way. Every time he looks at them and goes, why should I come down for you and stop progress? All you're trying to do is discourage me. All you're trying to do is, is distract me. You're trying to harm me. You're trying to invade the progress that God's doing here. I'm going to answer you the same way because I don't need to take up any more brain width on how to answer you because you're dumb and I don't have time for you. That's basically what he's saying. I ain't got time for you. I'm doing something. I'm doing something of importance here and having that meeting with you ain't of importance to what God is doing here. And, and here's what... We have to do, and we have to know, God's call is way more important than theirs. I don't have to answer the phone for every call. I don't have to pick up every Facebook comment. I don't have to double tap every, com every, every picture on Instagram because they might not like me. Follow me here. I've got to stop going. Their call is more important than God's call. It's just one call, but here's the problem. It's your call and then your call and then your call and your voice and your opinion and your thought and your attitude and your dishonor and your this and your that. And by the end of it, we're all standing here going, I ain't got time to do what God called me to do. I got work and I got kids kids and I got rest and I got this and I got that and this person and that person and before we know it we're off our perch why it's not because we're bad people it's not because we don't want to follow God's best for our life it's because now everybody else has invaded the work and we stopped the progress and now we don't even know where we were to begin with and so we gotta when we're up here we keep we keep working I'm one of those people maybe you guys are with me to where I used to be really, really, really bad about starting a project, right? And so I'd look at my wife, right? And this is what I'd say. I'd say, baby, I can fix that. I fix that. That's no big deal. We don't need to call anybody, right? 
Hey, hey, baby, I can build that. I can make that when she was a teacher. I tell her all the time, I'll build that for you. God, I don't even know how the heck to build things, y'all. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. Mm-mm, right? And I'm walking in there. I got my power saw. I got my drill. And I'm building. And the box that I'm building is so unsquare that it don't even sit flat. Like, true story. We couldn't even use it. I used it as a garden box because it was so bad. Y'all, I tell her that stuff all the time. And then here's what would happen. I don't know if y'all know this about me. And it's going to be really hard for y'all to believe this. I get distracted so easy. Some of y'all, I just wish you'd go use the bathroom before service. I'm going to start putting cups up under the seat because I get distracted. <laughs> when y'all get up, walk out. And I'm like, I, I mean, that was by Jesus. I wasn't talking about you. We're having fun today, right? I get distracted easy. And so what would happen is I'd start a project. And then in the project, I get distracted and I'd be like, I'll finish that tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. But then tomorrow never comes. Y'all know what? Anybody in the room with me, y'all make me feel better about myself real quick. Like, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, I'll finish it tomorrow and then tomorrow never comes, right? Y'all listen, I was cutting grass about 10 years. We've been in our house 10 years. I was cutting grass about 10 years ago. And a... (laughs) And a pebble flies up and hits the glass on the side of our door. If you, I told her, I said, baby, I'll fix that. Don't even worry about it. I got this. Y'all, I ain't got a clue in this world how to do stuff like that. Y'all, it's still cracked. It's been 10 years and tomorrow has never come. Because I get distracted. And then I get discouraged because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm going to have to replace an entire door if I do that. And I ain't buying a new door. So I'll just sit here and maybe miraculously God through metamorphosis will just give me the knowledge. There's the knowledge on how to do this. But that's what most of us do. We'll get so distracted. And here's what they knew. Like we got to stop just going, hey, I'm going to come down and talk to you. And then maybe tomorrow I'll finish up. And tomorrow never comes because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know the distractions and the discouragement will be there. I got to embrace my dash today. I got to do what I got to do today. I got to make a difference today because God's call is more important than their call. If you read Galatians this week through our 20 day, uh, a chapter a day through 20 days, and I hope you continue doing that. You finished the book of Galatians yesterday. And one of the things I love about the book of Galatians is it's a letter from Paul to Galatia, a church. And, and Paul says this over and over. He said, I didn't come to please you. I wasn't called by you. I wasn't given knowledge by man. I was given revelation from the Lord. I came to please the Lord. I came to please God. And here's why that's so key to me. Because there's a boldness that happens whenever we get to that place. And Paul was basically saying this, I'm going to stand my ground. I don't care if you like what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing is a call and a revelation from God. And I'll stand right here and you can stand there and you can hurl tomatoes and you can throw things at me all you want. But I'm standing on the call of God in my life and I'm living my best life now. He said, hey, I got, a bond, I got a confidence. I got a boldness. I'm not worried about you. I'm not worried about you. And the third thing is found actually in, in verse 9. I love this. He says he's talking, and the guy on the fifth time reads the letter. And Nehemiah responds in a letter, a very short letter. In verse 9, he says this, For all them, for all of them were trying to frighten us. Here's the, here's the plot right here. 
All of them were trying to frighten us. Thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. Hey, if I can get them off the wall, they'll feel like they're not doing anything. And over time, they'll just forget about it. The passion will fade. Didn't that? It seems like when we came to Christ, hey, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm free. I'm going to give. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to serve. I'm going to commit. I'm going to this. And then over time, it fades because we get so distracted by tomorrow. And what if? And maybe. And possibly. And he says, hey, they just wanted to discourage me. And if I discourage them, then it won't happen. But here's Nehemiah's response. I love this, y'all. He says, but now, oh God, strengthen my hands. But now, oh God. Please, please hear me what I'm about to say. Nehemiah didn't say, but now, oh church. Now, oh pastor. My, now, oh life group. He didn't say, now, oh spouse, now, oh kids that I've lifted above my spouse. Now, all of those things strengthen my hands. He said, now, oh God, strengthen my hands. I'm all about the other stuff. Spouses, kids, y'all know I'm about life groups and serving and all that. You know what? But here's the thing. Often, when we get to a place and we're like, God, I got one hand on my call and what you're asking me to do, and I feel the pull. Do you know why it's important to kill roots? Roots ground you to the ground. But when I'm trying to grow higher, I can't have roots that hold me down. And so I'm holding on to a call, and I'm like, God, there's something drawing me greater. And he's like, yeah, it's me. And then you're like, oh, I don't, I got bitterness. I got, I got this. I got insecurity. I got doubt. I got all these things in my life, and I just can't get my foot high enough to take that next step. And God's going, man, if you just kill the root, kill the root. Let me kill the root. Now, oh God, strengthen my hands. Strength comes from the inside. And I'm all about the other stuff, but how many times do we go at my weakest, lowest point, I'm gonna run to everybody else. And then at the last moment, as a last ditch effort, I'm gonna look at God and go, hey, if you're still there, if you still care, if you got anything left for little old me, I could use a little bit of strength today because I'm trying to climb to a new perspective and do a little bit more, but there's something holding me. And God's going, it's not about whether I remember. I've been waiting the whole time. You think I've been cursing you, but I've really been trying to help you. You just hadn't called on me. Now, oh God. Strengthen my hands. And here, here's what I love about this because there's a truth. And, and you're going to walk out of here when you hear this and you read it on the screen in just a minute. You are going to be so jacked up because the world can't stop you. And it's this truth. It's found in this scripture. It says this. When God is our strength, failure is not an option. You need to hear me today. When God is our strength, failure is not an option. Yeah, but pastor, it's been hard in my life. I didn't say it wouldn't feel like a failure. I didn't say that it didn't, wouldn't feel too hard. I didn't say that it wouldn't hurt. I didn't say that it wouldn't be tough. I said failure's not an option because Romans 8.28 promises me all things work together for the good of those who love him. And here's what I know. What seems like a setback in my life is a setup in my spirit to where God will not allow me to fail. Some of you have been living on the ground 
going, God, I know I failed you. God, I've screwed this whole thing up and there's nothing for me. And God goes, no, let me strengthen your hands and you'll begin working at a new level and you'll start rising to a new place. When God is our strength, failure is not an option. And here's what I know about many of you is you want your best life, but I'm here to tell you your best life is not found standing on the ground hoping somebody pulls you up because if God pulled you up and miraculously through his spirit set you on top of the ladder, you have no buy-in to where you are and something will come along and knock you off the perch and you don't even care and you'll walk away from the church and that's why many of us walk around going, I don't know about this God thing. I don't know about this church thing. This person did this and this person did that and God's going, that's because you waited on somebody to miraculously put you on the pinnacle of your life and they knocked you off and now you have no buy-in or commitment and so you won't stay in the hard times and God's going I need some folk that want to live their best life now that'll stand up on the perch of my call of the perch of my cross the perch of my anointing the perch of my calling and begin to say I will not come down for you I will not get stop the progress God's doing I know we're all like yeah best life give it to me it's right here it's right here. If you would stand to your feet with me today, because I'm about to pray over you. Because here's the thing, it's time to go change the world, church. We, listen, you can't wait on somebody else to fill this room up so they can hear about Jesus. You're gonna go home today and there's gonna be people that'll pop in your mind that you're like, man, they needed that message. Why aren't you giving them an invite? There's going to be people that come in your way this week that are going to go, oh, you can't do that. That's just a hyped up sermon. No, that is your life. That is the kingdom of God rising you to a new perspective in your life. You don't have to go backwards. You don't have to go backwards. Because when God is our strength, failure is not an option. And so I just want to ask a really quick question today. How many of you in the room with eyes closed all over this room would say, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back up top. I'm ready to get in my position where Nehemiah was. I'm ready to get where God's called me. I'm ready to do what he's asked me to do. I'm tired of getting knocked down and paying attention to things that don't matter. I'm ready for progress and I commit to say, God, do in me what you need to do in me so that I can take my place and I will walk with you. If that's you, would you throw your hand up in the room and join the entire service, the last service, saying that I'm ready. This is my moment. This is my day. This is my place. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare that freedom is taking place. God, right now, the Holy Spirit, I pray, would come in between us and our spirit, God, and begin to move and push us forward with an inner desire. Our innermost being, the river of living water, would come out right now. Freedom takes place, God. I pray that in this moment and this day, we'd stand on our perch for our call for God, that we would say, no, I'm committed to the life of Jesus. I'm committed to the heart of the kingdom. And today, I declare, this is my day. I will embrace my dash day after day after day and I will live my best life every single day of my life. Father, we honor you and praise you and if you believe that, we just shout amen in the house today.